Hello, welcome to the Stubborn Tortoise Podcast. I'm Donna Pazdera. So today um, I am going to give you a uh, another edition of Extraordinary People. Um, this one is uh, Kenneth Anderlich. Um, I feel like this was such a <laughs> kind of a big get for me. Um, I feel like this podcast is starting to take off after four years. Um, but yeah, Kenneth is uh, 34 years old and just completed uh, a run across Texas. Um, he may have the fastest known t time known as the FKT, um, but there's still, you know, kind of working through that. Um, it is uh, a, an arduous journey, obviously. Um, took him 19 days. He covered anywhere between 840 and 850 miles, uh, which averages out to about 45 miles a day. Quite a feat, quite a feat. Um, yes, there were highs and lows, um, but that's kind of like, you know, par for the course, I guess. That's sort of a stupid analogy, par for the course. Anyway, um, he uh, was raising money or he raised $50,000 so far. Um, and I will put a link in the show notes uh, so that you can donate if you so uh, are inclined um, for the Pay It Forward SA, which is a recovery um, program. They, they provide resources. And I know this always sounds so... <laughs> I don't know what the word is, uh, clinical or something, you know, but they provide resources like, you know, money for rent, you know, and, and whatnot and tools to help people who are in recovery um, so that they can continue their uh, sober living. And uh, Kenneth said that he is a former um, addict. Uh, we didn't really get into exactly what all, you know, he was doing. And, and honestly, that's, I mean, it's an interesting, but I don't, you know, I didn't feel like when we needed to go there. Um, but he, um, he's been sober for seven years and um, wanted to pay it forward to this group. Um, and so that's why he, he did this run. Um, he has pretty, he has a pretty audacious uh, running career. He, he won his first marathon. <laughs> Although there was a little bit of controversy in, in there, so I won't tell you about that. You'll have to just listen. Um, and then he won second in his first 100 miler, so good Lord. Um, yeah, he's a pretty accomplished runner, but he's also had his share of missteps and DNFs and things like that. So, um, and again, I can totally relate, um, even though I'm not anywhere close to as fast as he is or anything, not that I'm not comparing myself, but you know, it's that whole, that whole thing where you're, you know, you get in your head and boy, oh boy, as soon as you start getting in your head and, you know, you start thinking too much about it, then you're going to start dropping. And so, um, and it, you know, somehow, I don't know why, but somehow I find that a little bit, uh, refreshing or reassuring and that it's not just me. Um, but anyway, um, he was, he and I were talking, um, over Zoom um, he was getting coffee at Starbucks. Um, it was this pretty tall cup of coffee. And I do have a YouTube uh, video of this as well that I recorded. He probably didn't even know that. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure if people really watch this on YouTube, but it's just two people sitting there talking. But uh, anyway, this is my interview with Kenneth Anderlich. Okay, so I am here with Kenneth Anderlich, and um, he's joining me uh, from a Starbucks parking lot. Um, I'm live from my living room, so 
Um, I will warn you, my cat may, uh, one of my cats may jump into the frame because he tends to get weird when I'm on Zoom calls. So I might see him. <laughs> so, oh my God. And then the other one may come out and cry just because he thinks it's time to be fed. So anyway, That's yeah. Uh, I'm a weird cat lady, but anyway, my goodness. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you. Um, I somebody told me about what you were doing. I guess before you were doing it, and then um, and then I was starting to follow your you know journey, and I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. So, um, okay, so let's just talk about what you just accomplished. Um, how long did it take you? How far did you go? Uh, so, uh, we're still trying to, so because my Garmin is kind of, it's a Phoenix five, uh, I have, I didn't really get a good timing on, um, exactly because we didn't do it continuously. I did day by day on the Garmin, so we need to collaborate all days together, but 19 days okay. and the basic math of everything it ranged between 840 to 850 miles or so within 19. So, yeah, that's, I'll, I'll crunch those numbers and try. I'm not good at math, so I'll have to use a calculator. It was, it was an average of 45 miles. Uh, there was a couple of days where I either pushed a little bit more or mm -hmm. a less. Um, on, I think on the weekends, like specifically Sundays, I would probably knock it down to a 50K. Uh <laughs> Just. I, yeah, well, uh, uh, that was like, uh, and I, and I, I've seen other people who've done these long runs before, and what they would do is somehow use one day as a break to kind of cut things short mm -hmm. and kind of use it as a way, and it's still an extensive amount of miles, but they would use it as more of like specifically focused on recovery right after that run, heavier recovery than what usually it is. Mm -hmm. uh, get ready for the next following set of days or whatever the uh, that may look like and so I kind of I kind of did the same thing I would just uh, I use Sundays as a way to knock it down about 30 miles or so and then kind of set forth on like re recovery specific parts of my body that may have been aching or ticking mm -hmm. um, throughout the week and so yeah yeah. Wow. So, um, so and, and explain what the uh, the reason for this not just because you're Kind of crazy um but but there's a reason for this <laughs> so yeah about that. Uh, so, so there's a nonprofit uh uh called pay it forward and they have uh, seven years ago i went through them and uh and i would say about uh i would say about maybe six years ago um you know i kind of grew up from that uh program but they helped me for a solid year um of resources from recovery coaches to bus passes to just yeah. getting sober living um and that sort of thing and so from there i uh i i kind of was able to have that little uh help uh to begin my recovery my my time in recovery um because this is my first time in recovery i didn't know exactly how to do things and it, and that's how i treated my recovery was that i, I didn't know how to I needed I needed every help and every resource that this that the city could provide for me, and um, because I did, I just didn't know that there's places like this that were willing to you know dish out all the all the things that uh, somebody might, like myself might need at the time. Yeah, you know, I got sober when I was 27. Okay. Uh, 
I'm 34. I, I was going to ask you, yeah, okay. That's seven years sober now, but um, the only way I was able to get sober was through prison and, and jails and, and to lock me up. Yeah, I, I was locked up for uh, five and a half years of my 20s. Yeah. Um, so that was the only way I can say sober is if you were to literally lock me up and throw away the key. Um, so in this sort of sense, I when I had that first week of sobriety, um, you know, I wanted to treat it like gold, like it was the the best thing that could have happened to me. And I still to this day continue to do that, because if not with recovery, I probably wouldn't be sitting here in my car, uh, you know, talking to you on a cell phone that probably I wouldn't have been able to afford in the first place because I was too busy, you know, spending my money on other things, you know, mm. and so. So that was, I mean, and I, and I think about that even to, to this day, it's like, uh, you know, like how far along I've been in my recovery yet, my mental, my mental state is still, you know, be appreciative of what I have today, you know, and <laughs> what here today. Okay. That's incredible. Um, and congratulations. I mean, I know that this is funny. I talked to someone last week who, uh, was a recovering alcoholic and, um, yeah, I don't know if this is you know, a theme or something. You know, I mean, I know that there are a, a number of ultra runners that you know are in recovery, and and um, you know the the running helps. Is that how you got into the running? I think uh, what got me into running was a really bad breakup. <laughs> oh, uh, that'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just had a really bad breakup. I was two years sober, and uh, the first two years of my sobriety, I, I kind of was into this relationship more than what I should have been because it's not like I was invested in her I was invested on being wanted and and I used her as a way of being wanted I used her as a way of feeling like I I was loved and needed to be loved because who, who doesn't want to feel loved of course uh, so looking at that uh I also looked at the fact that we were not good for each other either like I, I realized how toxic we both were for each other and so uh having to make the move of like breaking up with her was probably one of the hardest things. Even to this day, people are like, man, that must have been the hardest thing you ever did in your life with it. Uh, trans sex is run. I was like, there have been other things harder in my life than than just this run. Uh, it's been the hardest run, yeah, but there have been other things in my life that have been really hard. Um, and the thing with this was that, you know, this run only lasted two plus weeks. When you're making decisions based on your life, those, those feelings and the emotions can last longer and that pain, that pain can you know last an extended amount of time um after making it and that was one of the things i had to, to deal with with this breakup was that i had to make the choice of being like if i continue in this relationship i'm going to probably end up drinking right i'm going to probably end up going back out and drinking because i'm not happy right if i'm not happy in my sobriety if i'm not happy i'm going to find a solution and my solution is usually going back to drinking again back to using so it's something that will help me feel good about myself yeah, right and um, how long were you two together we were together about a year and a half okay uh, and, and you know it was a very weird relationship because uh it was the first and last time i've ever used uh a dating app so <laughs> yeah i never used a dating app i got on tinder i found out what a tinder was and i i got on it and i found her um when you know we saw each other and it was definitely like you know she was she was just 
I think she was like 19 or 20 at the time and I was like 27 and then it was like just a little age gap not saying that age gap really means anything but just that sort of sense was just that like you know um okay like great like this is like you know uh what I know is like I I date a pretty girl and and then of course like things should work out uh little did I know it's like you know of course like I'm very early in my sobriety so I didn't know how to deal with my emotions sober um of course then you know she's very young in her age so she didn't know how to deal with her emotions and so it's like it was like as if you just had two very uh lost children kind of trying to figure themselves out while trying to maintain some sort of uh bond which wasn't there in the first place mm-hmm. um yeah. yeah when we broke up i found running uh but running kind of like when you break up from a toxic relationship doesn't mean that your toxicity leaves the body right so mm-hmm. i was very like i would i would check her facebook all the time and see if she was dating anybody and i would you know you know do this stupid stuff and and then i was like you know and then i was like man i just i need to change so i change i tried to change by just quitting cigarettes right and so i quit cigarettes for a, a week or two and then now i'm just mad and and super single right and so i just don't have cigarettes and i don't have a girlfriend uh, and so running helped. Um, I saw a friend of mine find a route and I was like, I looked over his shoulder and he was telling me like, I'm going to train for this uh, race. And I got this route in downtown. And I was like, well, I mean, if I, I live downtown in San Antonio, so I, I could do that. And uh, I, I, I got up in the morning. I don't know why I didn't, I usually don't get up in the morning like that. And I got up in the morning followed him along six miles and the only thing I was worried about was him dropping me like I didn't want to get lost in the city because I didn't know how to get myself back uh, and <laughs> so he you know it was it was as if like during that six miles and it took like almost an hour but it, during that six miles it was as if I wasn't having to think about this relationship I wasn't having to think about her or you know getting drop or or you know having to check her facebook i was the only thing i was worried about was not dying out there so (laughs) that's that's important yeah so um are you from san antonio yeah Yeah, i am funny i'm from uh, um, uh well i started off in uh alamo heights and then my Mm -hmm. mom moved to madison area um north area and so um, but we've kind of moved all over the city. So, yeah. Okay. And, and you say you're downtown now? Yeah, I live actually in the West side. I live over by Woodlawn. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, oh, that's beautiful over there. Yeah. Yeah. Deco district and all that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I, I live in Highland park. So yeah, it's kind of on the other yeah. side. <laughs> I like it over here though. I, yeah, it's cool. Um, I mean, I'm not from here either, but you know, I still, um, so anyway, um, Hey, let's back up just a little bit. I know I'm, I know I feel like I'm going forward and backward in time. So just deal with, or just bear with me on that if you can. Um, one thing I, th- I think I saw something, I, I think you might've gotten interviewed by KSAT um, right after you, you finished your run. And I think one of the things that you talked about was that um, the addiction runs in your family or your mom uh, suffered. You know. Yeah. Um, well, I think both, both parts of my family, my mom and my dad, have touched through or dealt with uh, some sort of addiction in some level. Um, I don't know uh, if 
you know, they can never admit like, oh yeah, I'm an addict or I'm an alcoholic. My mom never flat out said, you know, and, and that's one of the first things that you have to do to come to admit. Um, and so, but, uh, you know, like, I think uh, if I really look back on it, my, my mom did the best that she possibly could as a mother, right? It's not like she was getting up in the morning. She was like, F these kids, I'm going to go get messed up. It was just the, it was just the fact of like the lack of education, the lack of knowledge, um, the lack of resources, um, the lack of accountability that had had to have happened within that family in order to um, uh, shed some light on like possibly like, oh, like maybe we should like have that talk. Right. Mm -hmm. um, more of like oh it's just your mother you know she just takes she forgets to take too many medications or she takes too many or or whatever the case is and so that was something that we were all used to plus she was always in and out of the hospital because she's had different kind of uh health issues uh with my dad uh my dad has mental health issues himself mm. so as since since he was a kid and and he was adopted uh so and and what I was told was that even his parents had a uh, his parents had issues with with you know um, like addiction and stuff. Yeah, and so but um, you know, and and I think just the fact that like you know uh, recovery really wasn't as strong until we kind of broke into the millennium, more or less. Like I think you know a lot of these things like we've had um a somewhat of you know structure but like a lot of these nonprofits that come out um they're not they're not 30 years old they're not you know they they, they haven't been around for quite a while like uh, i think uh pay Ford's only been around for like 12 years okay. so so if you think about it since 2000 what 2011 yeah give or take 2011 so um that is pretty new yeah i mean uh, and, and so it's like, you can't, it's just a matter of, you know, at, with time goes, I mean, in, in a progressive manner, um, will the word of like pay it forward be a little bit more, not a household name. I want to say more or less like, uh, where people can now know like, okay, like I have a loved one now. Right. And they just got a rehab. They just got a jail. They may get to a point where they're not sure exactly where they want to go. And like, let's make sure that we find a safe, sober living environment because they can't be here at the house because I don't know what to do with them. Right. I don't know what kind of accountability I can have with them, but maybe we can find somewhere we can, where we can place them um, where the accountability is there. Um, probably some structure or something that can possibly help somebody get their life together. And so uh, I'm hoping that that continues to move forward in this future. Um, especially now with, you know, just a crazy, uh, just, you know, with fentanyl and, oh. and all this other crazy stuff been going on and so many, so many overdoses that's been going on uh, a lot more these past couple of years than, mm -hmm. than the uh, experience. But, you know, uh, it's, it's just as if like, uh, even though we have recovery, that's getting a little bit more uh, noticed and accepted. And it's not so much as a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just, it's not so much as a stigma anymore, but more or less it's like, okay, like it, it's just another thing. It's like a, you know, a dose of medicine, you it's know, like, like depression. Like, yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I, I, well, yeah, I mean, 
<laughs> well, I mean, I have depression, so that's why I, you know, throw that out yeah. there, you know, just because it's like, yeah, and and it took me a long time before I could, you know, agree to take antidepressants just because I felt like that kind of saved my life. So, I mean, but it's still, you know, it's still kind of embarrassing to talk about, you know, but, but I, you know, I'm not ashamed, but, you know, so I, I can kind of relate to this. I think with me too, I mean, like even it, it took me about almost five years into my sobriety before I, I can finally admit, like, maybe I might need some therapy as well. Right. Like I always thought like, I just need to do more 12 step. I need, I just need to do more, you know, go to more meetings or I need to talk to my sponsor more or whatever. And it's like, how about talk to somebody who might have a little bit more clinical clarity on something. Sorry about that. Clinical mm -hmm. clarity on something like that, that can probably, you know, break down a little bit more of what your behaviors are, maybe possibly even your perceptions on things, right? Like, cause I've already had that, you know, I'm already, I'm, I'm, I'm already kind of instilled in, in the 12 step, but like, why not try something new that might possibly help me kind of get out of that funk. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think I deal with my, sh uh, my share of uh, depression as well. I mean, I think uh, seasonal depression for me goes, uh, it goes heavy uh it'd be bad this week <laughs> probably why i do these stupid runs in the middle of the winter anyways but uh no i uh but yeah i mean like i can even i can even say that i can do big runs like this and sometimes it it doesn't feel like i've accomplished anything because you know it's like as if like i'm numb to the uh to the fact that like i, I like sometimes it doesn't always feel like it's sunk in mm -hmm. um i feel gratitude sets in place when I do these runs, but not so much as after the fact. And so that was, um, like a uh, letdown. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I'll be in the pain cave. I'll be, uh, you know, hurting so much. And, and in this, you know, I'll be on the most quietest roads and nobody will see it. And I will be in complete gratitude of, of the fact that I've had this opportunity to serve. But then when it's all done and said, people are like, you must be so happy. Like you're glad. You're, and I am, trust me, like my legs, are probably happier than I am but <laughs> but um I had it in my mind that I was it was gonna be like this like you know the movie Rudy where like he finally plays the game and stuff like that and everybody's cheering and all this stuff like no I got it done and it was kind of like okay great like now and let's what? go ahead yeah thing. so it's like but I am completely grateful that I was able to not only serve and 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 educate and communicate and have that you know communication with other people and be able to meet new people and new experiences and and get to another level of running but um also at the same time it's like okay like uh sometimes i felt like it was a task like okay now what's the next thing i need to do like you said like what's the next thing i need to do mm -hmm. so and i think well school is obviously the next thing i need to do so i have okay. i have i have a couple of years left for my bsw where are you where are you I'm sorry where are you studying uh I just finished Alamo Colleges I uh I was supposed to do the spring semester for uh Texas State but because of this run not to blame this run I had plenty of time to register for school I just kind of like you know of course I procrastinate so um and so yeah I I just basically have to uh you know, uh, register for Texas State and then register for their BSW online program Oh, okay. So that's what you're going to do. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, well, good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, well, there's always time for school, you know, but as somebody yeah. who teaches. So, you know. Well, you teach, 
Awesome. Yeah, I teach. I teach at A and M San Antonio. Um, I'm an ex journalist, and uh, and I teach journalism, and I'm the advisor for the student magazine there. So, um, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So I, I, yeah. So you're never too late, and never go get a PhD just because you can't find a job. Okay. <laughs> I'm always talking to my student. Well, I never. I don't have a PhD. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't even going to get a master's, but in order to teach. I had to have one. So I, I went to grad school um, 20 years ago. And uh, okay. yeah, so I have, I've got like two careers, you know, so it's kind of cool, you know, but, uh, but anyway, I don't know where I was. Going. Oh, I know. Yeah. Cause sometimes my students will say, I don't know, I can't find a job. I think I'm going to go get a master's. I'm like, oh my God, why? You don't need to go into debt, you know? And, and I was very fortunate because I, I, was able to get what they call an assistantship where I student taught and it paid my tuition. So um, that was great. <laughs> so I didn't have student loan debt. I mean, I got everything else, but you know, <laughs> still. But uh, so how long do you think that program will take? So I have, uh, so I already have the credits for, for the, like to, like, I guess, go into my last two years for my BSW. Uh -huh. And then uh, UTSA master's would be a dream. Right, because it's in San Antonio, sure. and and uh, the campus is right next to my work, which is Haven for Hope. Okay. So that would that would be now. That's not a prom. That's not a promise to me, though. And so, um, I I'm very adaptive towards whatever is handed to me. As you know, as anybody who either has, obviously myself has been either raised poor or has gone through addiction and alcoholism. Uh, I go into survival mode. So whatever is given to me. I adapt to it and then I'll take what I can get and then I'll run with it basically. And I think that's, that's just kind of my MO is that, you know, not, I'm expecting to not get what I want or what I deserve, but more or less like I will be happy with whatever is given to me at a very convenient price <laughs> and then kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like I, I did fairly well with Alamo colleges. Uh, it was kind of, um, I, I work, um, as a supervisor at Haven for Hope, which is one of, you know, U.S. United States biggest homeless shelters. And so, yeah. um, uh, my, my, to see other social workers work there and to hear stories from different departments and different, just different entities and just different places, like even with CPS, um, I think I have a calling with something like that. I mean, like, even though... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, uh, I think uh, my anthropologist teacher told me once, uh, she was like, why do you want to do it? And I was like, well, I want to work with, you know, people like myself, like felons, and I want to work with alcoholics, and I want to work with homelessness. Uh, and sh she was like, nah, see, you're already coming about it the wrong way. If you want to do that, you're already coming in a place of, well, like, bias, right? Like, oh. uh, yeah, like, you're not going to be much use for them. You're not going to be very conducive or constructive for them if you're only wanting to work with them because like let's say that like something happens to them well you sympathize for them but you're not really going to like you're you're oh. going to be too much on their side and not so much on like where's the accountability behind that and she's like you need to look at the fact that when you apply to do be a social worker you need to be a tool a tool for your community um as that may look like or she's like i, I don't mean to like label you as a tool <laughs> she meant like in a way of like and i and i thought about that for a good bit and i and I, now i understand like what she meant like as a social worker you know you're you, there's a like a sense of like having that purpose and serving a purpose as a social worker and i think that's kind of what this run was 
I had I had the means to be able to not only commit to running across Texas no matter what, um, and and bring in awareness. I don't like posting so much on on social media. Like I, there's, I mean, like I don't like posting so much in my life. But when something like this happens, I, I figured that like everybody wants to know what the progressiveness is and how sure. things by day by day by day. And I think that's what the attraction was towards some of this was just the fact that like a little piece of my story from my from my recovery to um, to what uh, Pay It Forward does to part of what this run was about. Um, you know, and just the transparency behind all this and that it wasn't, it's just, it was more or less like, I think that's kind of what I want to do as my social work, you know, it's like not so much as bring so much as my story of recovery, because then that's ethically wrong, but like, more or less like, you know, if there is an opportunity to work with kids and because I don't have any kids, of but or mothers who have gone through, you know, abuse or, you know, any of that stuff take it and be that tool right but also use that same stuff that you had to go through as your mom you know was a a victim of abuse or as you were a victim of this or as a kid or whatever it was um be a tool and use that within your feelings and just make sure you put all the love and care you can towards whatever it is in in front of you and so yeah yeah, no, that's and I, I I do sort of relate to what you're talking about um, in terms of what what your professor told you because um, I I was a, a police reporter for a long time in South Florida and I was really good at talking to people and getting them to um, I'm you know I'm I'm pretty good at being disarming not like I try or anything but you know it was just like. I tried to make people comfortable so they would tell me their stories, you know, and it could be, you know, the family of a murder victim could be the family of the accused. And, and I really didn't care, but it, it got to a point though, after my mom died, my mom died of cancer, but um, I was, I started to get too close to how these people, what they were going through, you know, and, and, you know, and, and it was starting to mess with my head. And so I was like, okay, I, I got to step away. But, and I think that's kind of what, what your professor might've been saying that you're kind of close to that. And you may yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to, yeah. And it's, and you just realize you can't do, do it anymore or do that. Yeah. So I think, I, I mean, I, I think you had a very good point. I'm, I'm glad that she critiqued it in that manner because had she not I probably would have continued looking at it as just as um, I should only be focused on the three things that I've dealt with the most right which right. is al- alcoholism um, homelessness and, and and people who've gone through prisons and whatnot and then uh, and I have to realize like you know social work is is so- something that yeah, that's heavy. Needs, yeah. it needs to connect with everybody who needs that that service from you especially you know especially if you have it I mean like it would be very selfish of me to say like yeah you know I uh, I I work at a child advocacy center but you know like I didn't go through that stuff so you know like they they don't deserve the same kind of care as somebody who gets out of prison and so um and so now I can like see that that was very selfish of me and then kind of work towards you know making sure that I I give my all to whatever is in front of me yeah no that's 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 really cool that's that's yeah I guess they, I don't know like a moment of clarity or something yeah so that's 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 important <laughs> um so getting back to the run um so you started running you know a few years ago uh, or several years ago um 
and then uh after this breakup and uh did you do do you do um like road races trail races do you do any of that kind of stuff or are you just <laughs> doing these okay. crazy things <laughs> oh, that's well the first time uh so the first month i started running um uh, you know i i saw a buddy of mine and he was running 100k and he asked me to to pay some and you know of course like uh i saw him do 60 miles and i was like i can do that not 60 but i was like i could see that at 30 miles is attainable so when i got back i was like i can i've been running 10 miles every other day i can i can probably do 30 and so i i attempted to do 30 within like uh within my first month of running i (laughs) I think i only did like a marathon or something like that i went from one end to the other and i don't know if the watch was right or not and then uh the next following couple weeks i recovered and then i actually did 30 miles and uh and you know of course like calves were messed up i i think i took some fruit with me during that 50k you know you take like <laughs> peanut butter in a bag i don't know it was some weird stuff but and then um and then i i uh i would do other long runs and i did you know just so on and so forth and uh but uh you know as time went within my first six months i i was doing 100ks and then the first year or so i did my first 100 miler and then three years into running, I believe I, that's when I did uh, Cap to Coast, the 223 mile run uh, for Child Safe. And, uh, you know, I think that right there kind of showed me like, okay, like if I can do that, you know, like the, I can almost do about anything, even though that, hel- that run was hell for me uh, um, at the time. Uh, it kind of like, let me know like how much I can really push my body Mm -hmm. and so uh, you know I I waited about two years after Captain Coast and I ran uh 223 miles for Captain Coast uh for Child Advocacy Center um Child Safe uh we we were able to raise $17,000 for them and then uh but the road race I'm laughing about the road race because the first marathon I did uh it was in El Paso oh and uh, yeah, uh, I uh, you can find me on uh, Marathon Investigators. So, oh, oh really? Yeah. <laughs> did so, what they do? Did they bust you for something? <laughs> yes. So I did. I did my first marathon because I I was originally wanting to do Austin Marathon because I love hills. I love them. Like no matter what, I'm always gonna like I I, I not love them. I love to hate them because I'll get to a hill and I'll just speed just up. Like, yeah, I'll just speed up just to just to get it done with. Um, and so, um, my buddy was saying, well, you know, uh, why I do that one when I can give you a ride over to El Paso and, and you can get a bib, my, my buddy's not going to race it and you can have his bib. And I, I was like, okay. And I had a hundred mile uh, race coming up that's on that time. And, uh, I was like, I'll just use this marathon to train for a hundred mile race. So, uh, we, uh, but I wanted a sub three. It was the first time I attempted a sub three. And so I, Dang. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I I got the bib and they we went to the uh, thing uh, to the El Paso Marathon and I actually won it. I won the marathon on accident. Oh my god, I, that's amazing! I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like. I wasn't shooting to win it. Um, all I wanted was a sub three. And yeah, I got on Marathon Investigators and they found out uh, I switched the bib. They had me on the news. Uh, oh no! At El Paso, man. Uh, I don't know, say El Paso man 
disqualifies or they take away my thing. But yeah, you see my dumb face cheesing on the news and stuff like that. So it was a lesson. <laughs> like, it's not like I cut the course or anything like that. I just made a rookie mistake of winning a race and then telling them kind of a little bit more information. And I call myself Joe Morales. And actually, that was the wrong name on the bib as well. Oh, uh, I was trying to remember like what was on there. I think it was Jorge. Um, but I was telling them that that day was my birthday and then I was 30, I think I was 32 at the time. And they were like 32, like he's supposed to be 40 something. So they thought I'm kid trying to, uh, get a, a 40 year old man into the BQ Boston qualifier. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Hip swapping is all about. Right. And so I was like, no, nah, man, I was just trying to get a sub three. And so they just made a big stink about it. And when you, when you do things like that, like other runners come out of the woodworks and they're so noble uh, that they have to chime in on the uh, on Facebook and make sure that they tell you how much of a POS you are. And, you know, I, I deserved every bit of it. Um, but I also made sure that I held myself accountable on that, on that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of mistakes that I've made in running. Um, and, and that was one of them, uh, was just kind of like, you know, uh, don't win, don't win with somebody else's bib. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hey, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, uh, I think, I think, you know, running has gotten me some great adventures. I was able to do rim to rim to rim with a, a couple of friends of mine from Bear Run. Uh, we were, uh, you know, obviously Cap to Coast, uh, you know, doing some, uh, going to some great places like Mexico. Uh, I've got to race out there a couple of times. Uh, uh, over by Monterrey. Uh, Monterey. Yeah, a lot of my friends run down there. Yeah. Boot, a lot of boot, mountains. I think Bustamante, it's called Bustamante. Okay. Uh, and uh, the Garmin, there was a Garmin race out there. I did a 50K out there and I died. Boy, they got elevation out there. I died. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I I thought that was going to be the first 50K I was going to DNF right there. But no, that was that was definitely, um, you know, like uh, it's little things like that. I did uh, the month before I did Trans-Texas, I, I was able to do uh, uh, Cactus Rose 100 miler. Oh, you um, did? Oh, you must have loved that. Yeah, I, I died out there too. Uh, and I hate running there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hmm. Well, my, my knee doesn't like it because I, I was doing my first 50 miler and um, Cactus Rose, this is probably about six years ago, and I slid down Lucky Peak. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, busted, yeah. It, busted open my knee and I had to go get stitches. <laughs> so, yeah, everybody was so scared of Lucky Peak. Yeah. Oh, I hate that thing. I know, and I had to go, I had to mark it. Um, because I went out and helped them mark it. But I but but uh Joe Crusadis, the guy that you know was uh in charge of that part, he sent me up the opposite end. So it wasn't like so I got to come up the part that I fell down. So yeah. it was it's not as bad approaching it that way. And you probably did it both ways. So yeah. yeah. They send <laughs> So, uh, the first two rounds I did pretty well, but then I got dehydrated. So I started, right. you have 60 hours to finish a hundred mile race. Right. So, uh, every race has usually a failure, right? Like everything, like it doesn't matter what, yeah, I don't think you ever have a race that goes 100% well. Um, so some sort of standard, even if it's like, oh man, I forgot this hydration bottle, whatever. Uh, so that one was definitely a full of failures and I was glad for that because, you know, kind of prepped me up for the 50 miles a day type deal anyway. So I, mm. I, uh, stopped at 50 miles there. I went to my car, I was throwing up, I could, my kidneys must've shut down or something. Mm. And I was, 
I couldn't keep anything down. So I slept in my car for about six hours, six or seven hours, got up, put everything back on, same sweaty gear that I had on before, (laughs) put it back on, ate some Doritos, water, I can keep it down. And I just started with 100 mile uh, people who who raced it, who wanted to race it. I just raced with them. So fun. It was, and then I, I just finished it. Um, it took me 34 hours because of that sleep. It would have taken me like, I don't know, close to 24 hours or so. But like the fact that I had to sleep was probably what kind of kept me behind. But that's all right. You know, it happens. Learn. And- yeah, no. And it's it's a training run. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Where, where was your first hundred? Uh, California, Northern Ooh. California. Uh, mm-hmm. It was called... Uh, uh, El Loco, um, and uh, my buddy Ruel, he he uh, crewed me, and uh, he must have been out there all day because I know he didn't see me until the sixty mile mark, and it was like kind of like one big point to point, um, and it was a very small race because I got second place on my first on my first one, and but wow. you know what? Yeah, it, <laughs> you're pretty fortunate was, on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I've also like don't get me wrong, like I've. I've messed up so bad on on other races that it's actually pretty funny, um, and uh, those those failures um, uh, during my running career um, these last five years have been what have really built me up more than the ones that are successful, um, because I DNF'd at a uh, Oregon race for a sixty miler, mm-hmm. um, got to mile like 47 or actually I got to mile 50 51 and it was like I had like maybe a half marathon left um because it was 100k and I was in second place and uh and I DNF because I freaked out and because I was running slower I wasn't running as fast as I was the first 40 something miles right and so I was like oh man I'm getting exhausted so I got some nutrition that wasn't within my plan and started taking it down along with some Red Bull. And, and I just started throwing up all this black stuff and I freaked out and I let that freak out, like kind of like I let that failure or whatever happened. I let that be like, Oh, that's the end of it. And I DNF and I had plenty of time to finish the race. I DNF because I was like, I'm a failure now. I don't want to finish that in like, your head. Yeah. So, um, you know, those failures are mostly because of the simple fact that it's mental, right? Like absolutely. I I did the Southwest 100 and I was in peak condition, like probably some of the best condition I could have been. But also I just got done with training for Cap to Coast, doing Cap to Coast and then training for th- that race. Right. And it was so clumped together, so close together. And I just, I was dealing with a little depression because ob- uh, obviously it was like one of those things where uh, it was around the holidays and stuff. And I, I was dealing with a little depression and I was, I was dealing with a too much running, and I just didn't want to run anymore. And I think that mentality kind of messed with me. And, uh, you know, when you overtrain, it's not just the body, but it's also the mind. Like, you just get burnt out from running. So when the race comes, it's like, I don't even want to be here. And the right. fact that mentality is, I don't want to do this anymore. I've, it's like more, it's like as if like all that training was for nothing. Because if you're mentally like not even there, if you're not, if you're not there, I like, I, I, my coach Ryan Miller, he he always told me and made sure to keep that locked in. Is that we don't do this to get paid. This is not something that we do in order like to like feel like you know like whatever. Um, have fun with 
like that's the, that's why we do it is have fun like why did you start running in the first place because it was fun like and i think like now I, I i realize like if i'm not coming into this to have fun even though if there's i don't care if there's a western uh, western state ticket involved uh i don't care if it's because you know whatever it whatever it is if i'm not in this to have fun then the, i'm not i'm not going to do well right like the whole point of it if i'm coming into this like as if i'm clocking in mm-hmm. then it, that's it's good. already it's yeah. done before started right so that's yeah, that's yeah. so um i think like i think that's why i've stopped signing up for so many races uh because the more that you do that it's like racing is like you got to get up at 5 a.m to be ready by 6 a.m like that's a job for me mm-hmm. like, i getting up early so i gotta be up at five make sure my vest is ready to go my gear is ready to go all that stuff that's a job for me right and sometimes mm-hmm. like when these like runs that you know are just like long runs the the run i did from san antonio to austin i think i got up early for that but only because it was spring and i wanted to try to be done to get get out but like still though i still had fun with it because it was it was like no pressure like it was just like you're gonna go out there you're gonna go the pace you want to go you're gonna go you're gonna have fun your buddy's following along with you you're gonna just share some laughs you're gonna share some memories and you're gonna kick ass like that's uh (laughs) but most of all you're gonna have fun and that's yeah. that's all I wanted. So, cool. yeah. You know. So, so tell me about this this uh, the the one that you just did. Um, you had you had a bit of a crew with you. <laughs> you have some good I friends. Had, I had a two crew. I had Roel and Steve with me, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm gonna turn my car on because my battery's running low. Uh, but uh, yeah, so uh, I had a two man crew with me. And uh, and uh, they uh, sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was Roel and Steve, and so they were definitely uh, taking care. They they were def- definitely taking care of me. Um, yeah. Oh shoot! I think you just muted yourself. Oh no! Oh, you got it. You're fine. Sorry. That's okay. All of a sudden, it was like. Huh? uh now you hear me now i can i can yes okay yeah all right uh if you ever want to get a good story of two guys working together who are the odd couple that's them right but like that that is their story it's not mine to tell um they worked really well to get me to where i needed to go but there's they have their own story on those those 19 days that we had to work together too i think that this isn't just the story that like you know i need to shed light on but two guys who have families who Ooh. have um retired vets um you know of course like they they just uh they're crazy athletes themselves you know um steve is getting ready to do uh bandera 100k um roel is uh getting ready to do the uh uh, big bend uh 100 miler yeah yeah. uh, self-supported um he's trying to get the fkt for that from going from uh, big bend state park to the national park and that's like 100 miles through this desert and i've tried helping him uh two uh, two attempts before that and it's no easy feat. I mean, like you're running through sand, and if you know about sand and gravel, it's not oh, good for your calves because you're just your legs are digging deep into that. And the fact that it's self-supported, yeah, 
uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And, um, uh, but you know, uh, they, they definitely work together on taking care of me because like, you know, it was, it, we started off on black Friday and it was storming in El Paso freak storm that more or less happened more in the, uh, uh, I think, uh, the North of Texas. And then it just kind of trickled down a little bit into El Paso snow started coming down and it was initially supposed to be just a 50 K and we, uh, we were able to get a 44 miler in, um, got the 44 miles in. And then as we just progressed into the next day, we were going to take the RV out initially, but we were like, you know what? El Paso, like the first 150 miles that we knock, knock out, we can just keep going back to the El Paso house that we were staying at and just use that. So we, we stayed at the house up until Sunday of, of, uh, uh, after Black Friday, yeah, and then we we started making our way towards the Guadalupe Mountains, and then we went from the Guadalupe Mountains. We made it to Carlsbad, like almost to Carlsbad, New Mexico, uh, where New Mexico is, and we went through. Uh, we touched New Mexico, and then went through uh, this back road to get to Pecos, and it was through Pecos, and then you go, I think, through Odessa, and you go through Midland. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful, yet, you know, um, uh, just, it was, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think West Texas felt like it was going through Mad Max, you know. <laughs> How so? Uh, it was like a, a bunch of oil rigs just driving to and from. And I think that's probably one of the most dangerous parts that people were worried about me was just getting hit by a bunch of oil rig drivers who have been up 24 36 48 hours out of the day and then you know of course like yeah uh yeah. and then getting done with getting done with that and then getting to uh finally people were able to because unfortunately um i think two people have passed away from trying to do attempt of uh, running through texas um really? going through west texas yes and uh, one from, uh, I think he was from Oklahoma and he tried to run across the U S and he passed away in Amarillo. Um, and another, uh, he, and, and then another individual, um, she is from San Antonio actually. And, uh, she was, oh, uh, she was, she, she was running by a car. Uh, I, I, we don't know because it was like a hit and run. So yeah, I remember that was like about a year or two ago. Right. Yeah. And I remember that. You know, I, I don't touch too much based on that because like uh I feel like you know it's like I I I've got a hold of the husband Keith and uh you know like I I guess like I don't go too much detail into that because I'm not too sure exactly how the family feels about sure. continue to share about that and you know I don't want to shed too much light on something that may hit a family too much but then of course like it's been on the news yeah it's already it's already on social media she's got. A memorial in McAllister Park. I mean, she I was well known. She was experienced. She she was an experienced, skilled runner. I mean, hell, she had ten times more experience than I was. She was probably ten times more of a smarter runner than I could ever be. And uh, you know, like I, I I think it's nothing but just sheer luck that I made it through Texas the way I did. You know, and so it's like, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. So. Um, I did follow some of your daily, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, the, the thing, Facebook live or something, you know, or your reels or whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. anyway, 
so this wasn't all I mean, I know you kind of make this sound like, well, you know, we just banged it out every day, but there were there were some highs and lows, weren't there? Yeah, and, and that's one thing I wanted to tell my crew was the fact that um, we can't ride on the highs and we can't ride on the lows. Mm -hmm. um, I think this this uh, trip was mostly waves. It came in waves. Like, you know, I, I would be on a good pace one day and the next day my body was paying for it. And then the next day, I was getting up in the morning and walking like an old man. And then, you know, lo and behold, I continue moving and I start the, the wheels on the bus keep round and round. And so it's like, you know, it's like uh, as if, you know, what we would think is like, oh, this is going to be a bad day. It came out decent. And then, oh, this is going to be a great day. He's feeling great. And then I just crash and burn. So it's like, you know, the, we always expected the unexpected pretty much like the only, the only thing that was consistent was basically change, um, which is something that we had to continue to adapt to. Uh, West Texas was dry. Um, it was very cool, especially during the winter. Um, and, uh, the weather was great. Um, yet, you know, at the same time, we were all kind of on pins and needles about the safety of ourselves and others. And the headwind was crazy. The headwind makes that run that 10 times more harder uh, um and then when you get to central texas you're dealing with the heat you're dealing with the with the elevation you're dealing with the, the rolling hills um and then when you get into east texas it was like we had to deal with the the storm and that sort of thing so it was every every side had its had its you know uh you know punches that we had to roll with so was it I'm sure. I, well, I think you've already answered this, but it, it, it definitely, I mean, you couldn't have anticipated what this would have been like. I mean, did you have like a scenario in your mind going into it or were you just sort of like, I'm open, you know, just let, let's see what happens. Yeah, I had a, I definitely, I think it was more of the scenario was more of an adventure in my head. Like it's going to be an adventure. Like, and so we're all gonna, you know, we're all going to have stories to tell and stuff. And we do like that's the thing i think that's why i'm on this podcast right now is that we're getting to share with these uh with some of these stories that we have but um yeah i think part of i think part of it was, was the the thrill of the unexpected right like the fact that i am going to run every every street every turn every uh every step is going to be a spot i have never ran before right and like i'm going to just i'm going to be uh, be able to get to enjoy as much as, as much as my body would like me to let me enjoy, but like, I'm going to be able to enjoy this stuff and without feeling like, yeah. So cool. Um, and are you still friends with these other guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. I just, I mean, I, yeah. you know, sometimes you think, you know, people, and then all of a sudden you get into a situation where it's stressful or whatever. And then, you know, they're, stuff can you know but so but you guys are all good then yeah 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 we're all good uh i think uh i think uh they're getting back to their family life and i'm getting back to the routine of of getting you know so you know of course uh getting back into the normalcy of I, I'm going to be going back to work soon, like, uh, you know, Monday or Tuesday, tomorrow or Tuesday, I'll be going back to work. And of course, uh, uh, I think 
Tuesday, I'll be, I'll, I'll pretty much be, uh, for sure, going back to work. And my work is very demanding. So I think Monday I'll be going through a lot of emails. And I think it's just the fact that, like, things, not so much is slowing down, but more or less, like, catching up. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. So, um, so I know you, you don't really know what's next. I mean, do you have any races on your agenda or any thoughts about what might be next? Um, no, no, not so much. Uh, you know, it, for, for the most part, I think, uh, rate my race wise, like I'm not exactly sure. Um, there's a couple of races I'd like to volunteer at, um, oh, which one? Uh, Bandera. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, going to be volunteering. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, definitely kind of like be able to, you know, sit on the sidelines and see everybody suck. So, uh, fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be yeah. actually doing a live stream at the, um, Yaya aid station. Um, really? the whole time. Yeah, they, apparently there's this outfit uh, out of Arizona, I think, and they're going to be live streaming the 100K. And um, they were asking for people to volunteer. I don't know how, because, I mean, you can't get phone service up there. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work, but I guess they've got some way. <laughs> but but I'm going to work the aid station in the, in the morning and then in the afternoon, I'm going to be, you know, live streaming or something. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, no, no. So yeah, I'll be... Uh... I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Bandera. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I so said you're going to do band. You're going to volunteer at Bandera. That's good. Yeah. 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 Volunteer at Bandera. Um, get, get back on into the school registration for hopefully summer. Um, possibly, you know, uh, I, I feel like this past couple of months, I haven't been able to apply myself as much as I want to work because I was just been exhausted from, you know, just the, 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 you know, logistics. The, yeah, of uh, this whole run and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, people are like, "Man, you're you're losing a lot of weight," and I was like, yeah, "I know." They're like, you look like you, and it's it wasn't because I was running so much. It was because of I think it was just a, a bunch of anxiety leading up to this, and uh, just and, and what I meant by anxiety is like everybody just wanted me to talk about it. Like, Hey, what do you think? What are you going to do for this run? What are you going to do about this? Or how, when are you going to do the run? And it, it's like a bunch of talk, 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 talk about the run. And it wasn't so much like the run actually going to happen. And so for, uh, for a full month and a half, people found out about the run, which is a mistake that I've learned from before because people have found out about long runs that I've done for a couple months and they'll ask you and then they'll say like, what can I do to help? And all this stuff. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm just going to run <laughs> Like, if you want to help out, this is this is where the map is going to be. And if you want to come out and help, that'd be great. But if you, you know, if you can't and uh, and then they'll start throwing in other questions that you didn't really think about. And it'd be, become a whole point of like, uh, yeah. Let me see. Uh, so, yeah, it became it, it became something. Where, okay. <laughs> yeah. And so and, and I think that was part of the reason why. Um, I, my anxiety would be up was because it was like, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not too sure. And so I had to actually make a post on letting people know like, hey, uh, so I have a crew and their name are well and Steve and they will be able to answer any questions that you may have because I'm not going to be in the headspace. I, I literally just want to run and get this done with. 
and it became to the point where Roel Steve had to like kind of like uh, interfere with people uh, coming in with questions so that they can answer for like what it is that we're going to do or how they can help or you know whatever it was or any questions that they can really answer and yeah. so and that was I think that was at the end of the day that really did help I think that was another thing that I appreciated from Steve and Roel is that um, they're a little bit more communicative uh, than I could ever be when it when it came, comes to something like this they kind of they knew more about this run than i could have right which is why i probably continue to proceed on telling people like if you want to know about this run you should probably ask for Steve because if you ask me i could just all i can really tell you is like what the sunsets look like and you know like uh how you know how many you know i don't know how many like cows i passed through or you know it's like uh but Roel was telling me like man this is like the seventh river that you passed over. I was like, counts that. Like, but they like that's the kind of stuff that they knew. Like that was, you know, and of course, like uh as far as the like supposedly I have the unofficial fastest known time across Texas on this. Excellent. Um, and so you know, of course, like there all that data, all the stuff that we have to put together in order to submit like the fastest known time has to be submitted to them and let them know like so I can think it be official but you know um, they know more about the information so that that can be you know mm -hmm. uh, ad adequate but like for me like I if you were to ask me like hey like you know uh, I, I can't tell you if I if Pecos came first or if Odessa came first I can sort of because of you know I'm not that I wasn't that but like some of the stuff that I, I was like, okay, what's the next town? What's the next town? How far do I need to go on this one? How far is this one? When is my break? When can I, when can I stop? When can I, you know, like what, what time do we have to wake up? And those are the questions I had to ask. And so when people were to ask me like, Hey, can I meet you out here? Or can I do this? I was like, just go to Rowell, go to Steve, yeah. you know, ask well, about you that. Needed, I, you needed that time for you in your head. Yeah. So that makes sense. I think I, and I mean, like, even I think even to this day, uh, if somebody were to, like, stop me in my tracks without letting me know, like, hey, I want to ask you this question. Like, we have this appointment right now between you and I. But if somebody says, like, like I want to ask you a bunch of questions right now, I would probably be overwhelmed. Like, I don't I, I don't know. You got to have, like, call Roel. Here's his number. You ask me. So, um, well, well, I'm very grateful that you found some time to talk to me because, um I had a feeling you're going to just be snow, you know, snowed under with requests and whatnot, which I'm sure you might be, but um, it it means a lot. Um, you know, it's my my podcast is very DIY, um, and uh, but it's you know this is exactly up the alley, and I appreciate you um, talking to me. Um, is there anything else yeah, you would like yeah. to add? Because I know you're I know you're driving, and I really want you to focus. No, no, you're fine. Um, no. I Right now, uh, just the fact that we still have donations up. Um, oh yeah, I that's think what I'm are still going to be going on until the uh, until the uh, mid of January. Okay. And then we'll probably take it down by then. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, thank you for everybody that's helped out or, or contributed yeah, yeah. or you know uh, donated. I really do appreciate it. Uh, this is something that you know was a lifetime, uh, once in a lifetime kind of opportunity. Um, and so, you know, doing something like this is more of an honor for me than some people's telling me, thank you for doing this. I'm like, wow, like, this is definitely an honor for me. So thank y'all for letting me do this. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, listen, uh, I will let you go. Um, Hang on real quick, okay? All right. Well, I hope you found that interview inspiring, um, uplifting somewhat. Um, Just interesting. He's a really interesting person. He's um, he seems sort of intense, um, in a good way, in a good way. Um, but I, I did enjoy talking to him and, uh, it was, it was fun. Um, as for me, um, yes, because it is all about me. Not really. Um, yeah, I haven't, I'm not running as much. Uh, I'm, I'm, I guess, tapering. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing, um, for Snowdrop, which is, ooh, two weeks from today. I will be done. <laughs> yeah, it's going on two o'clock. Yeah, so two weeks from today, that thing ends. Um, I really hope it doesn't take me 55 hours to cover that. I don't think it will, but I, uh, yeah, I've been, you know, just kind of doing the uh, conditioning thing and uh, <laughs> just, you know, doing some running, doing some stretching, doing some weights, blah, blah, blah um, cycling, uh, things like that and, um, indoor cycling. And, um, yeah. And then tomorrow I go back to Ohio. (laughs) We're supposed to be insanely cold on Friday and most of the week. Um, but Friday, I think the high is going to be 13. I'm just like, why am I going? Of course, it's going to be nasty cold here as well. Um, so yeah, and actually the, um, community cats that I share with my neighbors, um, I have these little igloo things that I built, not built, but I created for them. It's just basically you take a styrofoam cooler and you cut a hole in the side of it. And you throw some straw in there or hay, which is what I've got. Um, and then I uh, actually put an old sleeping bag over that. So it kind of helps insulate them from the cold. Cause I know I've got a bunch of mm, six month old kittens that probably have never been through anything like this before. And so I just want to make sure they, they have a warm place to hang out. Um, and also my one neighbor next door, she, um, has a, um, a spare room in her downstairs that, uh, she lets, uh, these guys hang out. Um, so if, if need be, I know that they've got places they can go. In fact, she's looking after my cats, um, my two boys, um, while I am gone. And, uh, anyway, I don't want to talk about cats, but, um, anyway, yeah. So, just a little DIY thing. I thought you might like to know that about, you know, igloos for cats. It's fun. Um, I did have a dream about uh, snowdrop last night or early this morning, I think. Uh, yeah, I was dreaming that I was not prepared or that I had forgotten my headlamp, had forgotten. God, what else did I forget? I don't know. I didn't have the right. I think I only brought one pair of shoes. Oh, my God. You know, it was just stupid. And uh, but I made sure that I eight. <laughs> I don't know what that's about, but anyway, I'm probably going to have some of these performance related dreams, you know, coming up. Um, anyway, um, next week I'll, I'll probably record something, but it'll be really short cause it'll be Christmas and, uh, I don't know. And then the following week will be my snowdrop recap. Um, also just as I think I talked about this or I mentioned it briefly with, uh, Ken, Kenneth is that, um, <laughs> Yeah, so after Snowdrop, I guess a couple of days, let's see, I get back on Sunday, Monday, something like that. At least that's the plan. Um, I'm going up to Bandera to help Joe Persadis uh, mark the course on that Wednesday. I'm not sure what my legs are going to feel like, but um, 
hopefully he gives me a flat part. Although there's not too many flat sections at Bandera, but um, anyway, but he did give me a nice little four mile section uh, in October for Cactus Rose that I got to go up the back end of um, Lucky Peak and uh, did not kill myself. And it really didn't feel as bad as I'd remembered it. But anyway, I think I've talked about that before. Um, but yeah, and then I'm also going to be volunteering on that Saturday. Um, I may do another day up there, help volunteer beforehand, because it's kind of fun that the, the whole, you know, um, drama and and grandeur and whatnot of uh, getting ready for a huge race, you know, such as Bandera. I mean, this one's probably one of the biggest races of the year um, in these parts, and um it's always exciting to be part of it and, uh, you know, behind the scenes and, uh, and yeah, so, but I will also be working at the Yaya aid station. Um, uh, I don't know where that is in terms of the course. I mean, I know it's, it's not far from the start finish, but that doesn't mean it's, I mean, you probably got to wind through a bunch of stuff. I can't really remember, but anyway, I'll be working there. And then in the afternoon, this is kind of fun. I volunteered because God knows I have nothing else but time on my hands. Um, I'm going to be part of a team of <laughs> folks who are using their phones to um, uh, do live streams um, at that aid station. And well, all of the different aid stations, but I chose to be at Yaya from, I think, one until seven, something like that, two to seven. I, don't know, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, so I will be up there doing that. And um, it'll be kind of an interesting experience as well. Um yeah, and then I think I'm staying in town for a few weeks because I just feel like all I've done lately is go in and out of town. Um, actually, on Monday, I drove to Houston um, with a couple of friends. We, uh, <laughs> this is not even running related, but uh, we saw this uh, band, this Italian band called Monaskin, and um, they kind of sound like Rage Against the Machine in, in, in a lot of ways. They're just really, they're young. They're all like in their early 20s. And um, just all very, you know, gorgeous and, and talented and full of energy. Oh, my goodness. I mean, before the show, this is the first time I ever saw anything like this. Um, three of the guys in the band, it's three guys and a girl and um, or a woman. And they rode their scooters through the crowd. I mean, it was insane. Um, you know, I mean, they had security around them, but that was apparently... I was told by someone later that that was a very Italian thing. And I was like, wow, that's fun. And then they, uh, the, the lead guitarist, he, um, crowd surfed for a while, um, toward the end and did not miss a beat, did not miss a note on his guitar as he was playing crazy. Um, haven't seen stuff like that. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was really cool and unique, because again, I've been to my share of concerts, although I'm told this isn't completely unique, but whatever, um, is they had about 30 fans. I don't know how they picked them or anything, but they had 30 fans come up on stage for the fun, for the final song. And everybody else was up there dancing and having a good time. And I'm sure that they were told, do not touch the, you know, the musicians and all this sort of thing. And, um, and everybody was behaving themselves, but it looked like so much fun. And it, it really was, it was a really fun evening, um, you know, just to uh, experience that. And, um, you, know, you know, so I actually have seen somebody other than Orville Pack. Um, <laughs> but um, anyway, wow, I'm not really sure where I'm, oh, I just been in and out of town quite a bit 
um, the last few months, I'm kind of like, okay, I'm getting ready to wind this down because I need to stay put because <clears throat> I don't know if my cats will recognize me. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. Um, anyway, I don't know. I think that's about it. So hope you guys have a great Christmas. I'll talk to you um, next week on Christmas or I'll drop it, um, you know, then I come back, yeah, on Monday of next week. So yay. Um, anyway, that's all I've got for now. I'll see you next time.